Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a variety of fascinating guests discussing the human side and impact of crime, not only on their lives, but mine as well. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, please contact Lifeline or any other support, service or person that you feel comfortable with. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs and not everyone will agree with them. I understand that and I hope you do too. Thank you. My perspective is, you know, these MPs are paid by the public, by the taxpayer to represent the people they were elected to represent. And hearing that they couldn't even get a response to an email, you know, it's really, it's disheartening. Olivia Nichols, or Liv, as she prefers, is a pretty amazing young woman. Liv's achieved so much in her first 25 years on this earth. I really can't imagine what she'll achieve in the next 25. She is a former parliamentary advisor for Darren Hinch's Justice Party in the Victorian Parliament. Although the hours are long and the role intense, she just loved it. She worked on policy for MPs uh, Tanya Maxwell and Stuart Grimley, including writing briefs for the MPs, advising on voting positions, writing amendments to legislation, meeting with stakeholders, as well as running their media campaigns, and a decent amount of advocacy work she did as well. Some of the areas of reform Liv worked on included family violence, stalking, and we all know how much I love the stalking offences, sexual offending, including childhood sexual abuse, liquor control, policing, and voluntary assisted dying. That's just for starters. It was whilst being a parliamentary advisor, Liv was inspired by the many stakeholders she met and realised having a law degree would be such an asset. So since leaving politics before the 2022 election, she's returned to university and is now studying law, which she believes will hold her in good stead for any future opportunities in the legal or justice fields. 
She volunteers with the Power in You Project in Geelong, which is an amazing organisation that we'll chat about shortly. She's a board member of Barwon Community Legal Service in Geelong, which provides free legal help to victim survivors. She's a Dying with Dignity Young Ambassador and coordinates a school's debating competition in Geelong for the Debaters Association of Victoria. Now, how is that for a CV? Liv and I have similar passions under the justice umbrella, in particular the rights of children in domestic and family violence situations, protecting and helping vulnerable children, how to encourage more foster carers for vulnerable and at-risk children, and how we can provide more protection and assistance for victims of crime. So with that introduction, hello Liv and welcome. Hello Narelle, thank you so much for having me and um yeah, thank you for all the work you're doing for, um, you know, bringing to the surface a lot of these stories that a lot of people don't get to hear. Um, certainly from my point of view, it's a bit nerve-wracking. People, you know, advisors are usually seen and not heard or not seen and not heard. So it's uh, it's <laughs> nice to be able to talk about some of the stuff that we were doing in Parliament. You know, I remember when I met you and I interviewed Stuart Grimley and, oh, <laughs> I just thought what a a fantastic place to work because you mm. can make things happen, you know. You can see, like you can see things happening right under your nose and there's, I was going to say, there's a fair bit of power in but there is a lot of power in Parliament, isn't yeah. there? Um, but, oh, I just think what a what a great place to work just to be able to, see the fruits of your labour sometimes. Mm. Oh, and I just, I feel so lucky when I reflect on, you know, that four years of all the things that we could do. And with elections, obviously, you never know what way they're going to go unless you're an ultra safe seat. And so every day you kind of feel like, you know, am I going to get all the things that I'm working on finished? And obviously, um, you know, you get to that election time and you reflect and you go, yeah, we did this, we did this. And, you know, we, we achieved that, but there's always things that you can't do in that time frame. And yeah, they, they stick with me a little bit, but, um, you know, you have to try and reflect on all the, the positive impact that you've made and the people you've represented. So yeah, very positive mm. experience. And we'll talk uh, about your role as a parliamentary advisor, but hopefully in that we cover what, like, I can't imagine where you might be on the precipice, right on the point of um, being able to do something for something you've been working on for so long. And then let's say Stuart, he didn't get back into, um, he didn't get voted back in. So, you know, it'd be interesting to know what happens when something like that happens? Like does all your work just, I don't know, go into a to-do? Yeah, does it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh, anyway, so let's not get ahead of, let's not get ahead of ourselves because I think firstly, I don't know about anyone else out there, but I don't know a great deal about what a parliamentary advisor does. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that role, um, you know, what type of qualifications are required, because it does sound very important and um, a very important role. 
Yeah, well, it's um, it's a really interesting um, place to be, and uh, I'm, I don't know if many of the listeners will be sort of politically inclined or aware of you know how our parliaments work. But um, you've obviously got the two major parties, Labor and Liberal, and then you've got a bunch of small parties um, or minor parties that um, you know are elected or or not. Um, there's oh, Plenty of them. I mean, the Greens are one, but they're growing. Um, but Darren Hinch's Justice Party was formed by Darren Hinch, obviously, um, before he became a senator in the federal parliament. And then uh, we had a number of people run in the state election in 2018, and they got elected. Um, three got elected, and, and two remained during the 59th parliament. But I I had come from a major party background, and I got this job off uh, following the election, and. I thought, oh, you know, this this isn't a party that I, you know, would go to the ballot box and necessarily support. But the more I looked at their policies, the more I just went, yep, this is mm-hmm. something, um, th- these are issues that I'm passionate about. So mm-hmm. I uh, met with Stu and, you know, um, spoiler alert, got the job and um, just <laughs> fell in love with the issues that we were exploring around family violence and victim survivors and um, bail and reform and just so many really nitty-gritty issues that, um, you know, hopefully don't affect too many people. But, um, yeah, I just loved it. So, anyway, the, the job itself, um, your your job description is so broad, but essentially you're trying to support that member in achieving the things that they want to achieve. So, Stu, um, for anyone that listened to that episode, was a former socket detective. So, he did a lot of work for Victoria Police in supporting victim survivors who had been abused as children or um, as adults. And so that was a big um, policy platform for him around a public register. Um, As an advisor, you don't pick and choose, you know, what you think of those policies. It's what that member um, wants to pursue. So you kind of have to leave your bias at the door. Um, But as an advisor, you hope that you're, boss will also take into account your view on policies and take on your advice. Um, There were certainly a few instances where I said, Stu, this is my advice. And he said, "Mm, no, I think I'm going to, you know, go with my gut. And I would just say, well, you know, it's your name on the door. That's, um, (laughs) you know, that's your choice. But I'm thankful that only happened a few times. And yeah, we didn't really get into Mm. too much trouble. (laughs) Um, But the the job itself day to day, I mean, God, I might write eight speeches plus in a sitting week, um, heaps of research on bills and legislation. Um, and God, in a sitting week, we could be exploring um, maybe a justice issue here and there, but health legislation, environment, logging, um, privacy, firearms, anything and everything in one sitting week, and you had to be prepared for it all. So, I kind of had to be the jack of all trades master at none in that job, but I loved that I was always learning. God, I mean, I mean, just from what you're saying there. So, would you be like a sounding board for Stu? Absolutely, yeah. So we yeah. would have a meeting every Tuesday morning before the sitting week, um, where. We would all meet um, and talk about what was coming up during the week. So they might be government bills, but they also might be, you know, the Liberal Party or the opposition bringing in um, their own bill or a minor party bringing, 
bringing to the parliament a bill or a motion, which a motion is, for those that don't know, kind of a symbolic um, piece of, you know, might be, um, it might be that we call on the House to recognise that um, domestic and family violence is terrible and that we should um, do X, Y and Z to fix it. So it doesn't actually impact the law, but it's kind of more of a symbolic gesture, but it can promote action from the government, um, you know, if it's really well supported. So we would have all of these decisions to make in a sitting week. And then in that Tuesday meeting, we would try and work out how we would vote on or how the MPs would vote on you know, it might be 10 to 20 different votes during the week. If we had a big bill um, that was really contentious, you might have five different parties bringing um, to the parliament different amendments on what they think the law should be. Um, mm. So those Tuesday meetings were full on because sometimes you didn't know, you know, for example, the um, opposition were notorious for giving us the amendments quite late in the piece and, um, you know, as an advisor, you're tasked with making sure that you understand the ins and the outs and the pros and the cons of that amendment. And you might get it an hour before this Tuesday meeting. So it was quite frustrating because you had to go into this meeting and say, look, this is what I think it is, but I need to do a bit more investigation. Um, but certainly to answer your question, um, yeah, we would give our advice to the MPs and then, you know, what they chose to do with it was completely <laughs> up to them. When you say that we'd all get together of a Tuesday, who's all? Because there's you and Stuart, but who else would be involved in that? Yeah, so um, our other Member of Parliament, Tanya Maxwell, who was the Member for Northern Victoria, um, and Darren would come in being the leader of the party, um, make sure that, you know, sort of a veto um, power, um, and myself and the other advisor. Okay. And you just said then that on some sitting weeks you might write eight speeches. So do you write them and Stuart vetoes them or and how many words? Like how long would it take for you to write a spe one speech? Yeah, so um, that's probably something I should have said at the start around, you know, who can be an advisor and you know, what are the qualifications? The interesting thing is that there are none. Um, so, and there was a lot of talk about that in the last parliament because people had hired family members and, um, of course you know, they would. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jobs, jobs for mates. But I think the one critical thing that you need to have in that role is the trust of the member. You know, you are, um, their right hand man or woman and, um, mm. you know, they they spend, you know, on those sitting weeks, they spend um, could be 70 hours in a room with you away from their family. Um, you know, you're the one that they trust with making sure that messaging is right, that your research has been well-researched um, and that, you know, if I'm writing a speech, for example, um, to get back to your current question, um, that I'm writing it knowing what Stu would say. So, yes, I, I would write them or draft them. Um, if I wasn't sure what direction we might go, I did have a conversation with him and the party about it, but often, um, you know, intuition I would know. Um, and towards the end it just became quite easy because a lot of our voting record was already there. So say we were debating something about um, – you know, stalking, we already had a lot on the record about what our position was and what we thought law reform should look like in that space. So, um, yeah, you kind of, 
you 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 give the voice of the MP when you're writing, and I was um, you know lucky to work alongside someone who really trusted me, um, you know, to write um, yeah on his behalf, and obviously he would look over it and change bits and pieces, but um, yeah, we got into a really good rhythm. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, I I witnessed that rhythm, and I I witnessed the two of you working together. Uh, only for an hour, but I could see that you both felt very passionate about, I think we talked quite a bit about uh, child sexual abuse and Mm. stalking. And I could just see, you're right, you just sort of almost could finish one another's sentences, almost (laughs) like a married couple. (laughs) It's interesting because um, working for a minor party, gives you a completely different outlook on politics. So with the major parties, um, you might, you know, be sitting in a shadow minister's office or a, or a you know, Labor Party member's office and think, oh, God, we really shouldn't be voting this way or, oh, God, this bill does have issues in it. Um, but you can't say anything because you've got to vote along party lines traditionally, um, mm. whereas in a minor party office, you don't have head office telling you how to vote on something. You don't have um, this, uh, you know, pressure to make sure you're voting in a particular way. You do all the research and you decide what is actually best. And for me now, when I look at politics, I I really love the integrity that most, I won't say all, but most cross bench or minor party members bring. And for me in that um, particular party, I was really lucky. I had two members who were genuinely passionate for the issue that we were advocating for. And you know, a lot of a lot of the public now want to see people in parliament that represent a cross section of the community um, and people who have had real life experience. And I was so lucky I got to um, be part of that. Hmm. Yeah, what I saw it really impressed me, but. I also uh, feel very strongly, passionately about uh, justice, as we all do, as in you, you myself, Stuart. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there was um, a good connection in the room, I thought. So mm. what do you – tell us what you love about or loved about working as a parliamentary advisor. Oh, gosh, I was always learning. Um, as I said, you know, you would find yourself doing research on the most bizarre topics. Um, and Give us know, one. Give us one. What are you, oh, my God. Give us a bizarre topic. Oh, you put me on the spot, but I'm sure I'll, think, I'll be thinking for the next week about all the crazy stuff I had to, you know, know stuff about. But just as an example, yeah, yeah. you know, one week we might be um, – because it's interesting. So Stu had three hats, if you like. So he was the um, state leader of Darren Hinch's Justice Party, which is all about justice issues. But he was also yep. elected as the member for Western Victoria, which is an electorate of 79,000 square K, so huge. And then he had this third hat as a committee member. So he was on the Economy and Infrastructure Committee and a participating member of the Social um, the social Issues Committee. So three different hats, three different kind of roles and the member for Western Victoria role meant that we had to be attuned with all the local issues as well. So things like the Warwick Nabeel Education Precinct, the Overland Train Funding, um, you know, 
funding for, you know, Geelong City deal, whatever it was, we needed to have that kind of that hat um, covered as well. So in a sitting week, I might be writing a speech about um, the logging reforms that the government brought in that's going to um, end native timber logging. And um, as a local member, obviously that was something that we were opposed to because of the loss of jobs and the, um, you know, we could just see in the future that that meant we would be importing we would be importing native timber from other jurisdictions that didn't have rigorous regulation like we do here. Um, so that was one bill. And then, you know, we'd also be debating the health information sharing bill, which is all about, you know, your if you go to a public health service or hospital, um, how the hospital can send your information to other health services without your permission. Um, and then we might also be yeah debating something around, um, God knows what, just, you know, fire services or um, wow. things I, I see what you mean people's about daily lives. All the, God, I see what you mean about all those like, bizarre subject matter. <laughs> oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yeah, and really contentious things as well. Like I remember very early on we had the Transurban Bill, which um, was about tolling um, the the new East West League or the new um, Westgate Tunnel, and you know, just it was very early on in the t- industry's tenure, and we were having these huge conversations about you know the money people would be paying for the next thirty years to use a road, um, or the suburban rail loop bill, which we were one of few parties to oppose because of the you know the blow the cost blowouts, and there was just so, there was more questions than answers, but you know we didn't go into Parliament thinking oh, let's talk about transport and environment. <laughs> like we went in as a single issue yeah, justice yeah. party, um, but you have yeah. to know your staff. I wanted to talk about the duties and the role of MPs because I don't think a lot of people really understand the many ways that they can be of such great assistance. I know several victims of crime who've approached their local MP after having doors continually shut in their faces and the significant. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Difference that an MP can make. Can you give us a bit of an overview of how they can help the community? Yeah, well, if I had a dollar for every time someone in the community, whether it was a um, person who came to us with a justice issue or a person who was from the electorate um, of Western Victoria had come to us and said, you're the only person that's responded to my email or you're the only one that's reached out to me, I would be rich and I'd never need to work again. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> we, and it was really disheartening because... My perspective is, you know, these MPs are paid by the public, um, by the taxpayer to represent the people they were elected to represent. And hearing that they didn't, they couldn't even get a response to an email, um, you know, it, it's really, it, it's disheartening. But um, there, are, there were occasions where we couldn't help someone, but the least we could do was say, look, this is why we can't help you and this is where you should go. You know, this is a federal issue here's the contact details of your local um, federal member who should be able to assist you and if not, come back and we can, you know, we can try and troubleshoot. So um, the role of an MP is, is should be as an advocate for their constituents. Um, everyone has options and that's something I don't think people realise is, you know, a lot of people think oh, I've got one um, member and technically in a... Um, lower house situation, so the House of Representatives federally or the Legislative Assembly um, in Victoria, that's right. So you've got one person who's elected, say, for um, South Barwon or Ballerine or, the, you know, the seat of Melbourne. But you've also got the upper house, um, which is where our MP sat. Um, and that's a um, an option for you if you don't have any cut through with your local member to go and speak to your five upper house members. Um, and, you know, I think it's just nice for people to know that there are different options for them to have their voice heard. Um, or if you're, you know, if, if the issue that you're raising has a particular matter and there's a, there's a minor party that represents that, they can also help you. So if it's an environmental issue, then, you know, the Greens are there to assist you or, in the last parliament, if you had a taxi issue, you know, we had Rod Barton from the Transport Matters Party. So in some cases that could also assist people. Mm. Yeah, it's a varied role, but also it shows, you know, just you explaining that, it's it's almost like, I don't know, let's say you go to the police and you don't get much of a response from the watch house keeper. Well, then you go to the next level 
and you ask to speak to, I don't know, say the supervisor or the sergeant or it, it's along mm-hmm. those lines, isn't it? Am I, I mean, that's simplifying it terribly. I understand that. But it's like if you don't do any good with your local MP, you do have other options. You can go, as you say, uh, to that next level and one of your uh, the upper house members. Upper house members, yeah. And, I mean, when you, you kind of sit, same level, if you like, um, as the assembly, or some might even say we sit lower. <laughs> but it's always <laughs> nice to have options. And you know, if um, if you're if you don't get the response that you want from your local MP, try another. Um, but obviously, be reasonable. Like we, oh God, we have thousands of emails come in a month. Um, so. It was difficult to get around to everyone and, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. there are people who just call or email their MPs just to share a grievance that they don't actually want any help with and it's kind of just our job to listen. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're paid by the taxpayer as well. So as advisors and electorate staff, it's our job to be helping those people um, navigate Um Issues or it might be even government departments. You know, we'd have people come in asking about the power saving bonus or asking for a letter for a hundredth, um, you know, hundredth birthday or something like that. So that's all okay. part of yeah. the um, electorate staff's role as well. And then as an advisor, I was primarily dealing with, you know, the more um, sort of systemic issues, so more the, the justice mm. um, issues, mm. yeah. Uh, in your role as a parliamentary advisor, you virtually had a direct line to Victoria's most senior government ministers, including the Premier, uh, which helped with a child abuse investigation you became aware of and which really troubled you, didn't it? Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, so um, we, well, I wouldn't say I've got a direct line with the Premier, he's highly guarded, but I did share an elevator mm. with him and shake his hand a few times and um <laughs> It's it's nice to have, um, you know, the senior ministers walking around. And I do really love that in Parliament, um, in the chamber, it seems like, you know, especially question time that everyone's yelling at each other and calling them, you know, names and there's a lot of animosity. But in the corridors, people were laughing with different parties. And some of my greatest friends were advisors from parties that I would probably never, ever vote for. Okay. But it's yeah. nice that you can put that aside and... And just the camaraderie yeah. of knowing everyone is there to try and make a difference. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess in terms of the direct line, you know, everyone's in corridors and sometimes you would kind of hope walking around that you would see that minister's office that you really need an answer on, you know, whatever matter it was. So that was mm. um, that was pretty cool. But in terms of the, um, the child abuse report that we had, in, uh, it was early last year, um, we actually had a lady, Karen, who came to our office. She wasn't a constituent and so usually people, usually other officers would say, look, you're not part of the electorate, we're not going to help you. And the reason that they do that is because that person can't vote for their member, which is a bit crazy, but that's just the way that it is. Um, but she had an issue of child abuse and we thought, well, this is obviously relevant to the Justice Party's core issues. So she came in with a gentleman by the name of Glenn and they were telling us about the Royal Commission into um, Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse, um, which ended in um, 2018. And 
there was a recommendation that hadn't been implemented about a no wrong door. So essentially, if someone disclosed child sexual abuse in a certain setting, um, that they wouldn't be turned away and you know, the person wouldn't say, look, I can't help you with that. Um, and this kind of no wrong door would help people disclose and feel more comfortable to disclose abuse. But it was something that Glenn said during that meeting that really um, just caught me by surprise. And he said that, oh, look, and, and Glenn had been um, abused as a child at a government school Um and he actually went to the same school as Karen's deceased brother, Ian. Um, so Glenn said, oh, you know, we've never had an apology. And I just, I couldn't really believe it because I knew that there had been apologies for other systemic child sexual abuse um, episodes by the Victorian government. And they were very progressive in that space. You know, the Victorian government had abolished the statute of limitations on sexual abuse and um, Mm. brought in a whole range of reforms that were seen as extremely progressive in this space. And I just thought there's no way they couldn't have apologised for what Glenn was telling me was hundreds of children being abused at this one school um, and also these pedophiles being shuffled around to other government schools. And obviously we all know about the Catholic system and how bad it was and being shuffled from parish to parish. But I just couldn't believe there was no apology. And I just said, look, Glenn, I, you know, obviously I believe you, but I can't believe it at the same time. And I said, I'm going to do some research and get back to you. And we trawled and we trawled and we trawled through documents and we, we couldn't find anything. We found that there was an apology from Steve Brax in 04, for out-of-home care. Um, We found that Scott Morrison had done a federal apology following the Royal Commission Uh, and then we found that basically all the other states bar two had apologised and Tavi was about to. And I just thought, how can this have happened in a government school and yet there's been no acknowledgement of how systemic it was? Um, And... Yeah, I guess the rest is a, is history in some way in that we now have the Premier uh, committing to an apology next year um, mm. and a full inquiry into what happened at Beaumaris Primary School, which is where um, it's not just allegations, it is criminal civil court cases open and shut. Um, it has been established that pedophiles were working in tandem and shuffled from school to school and I'm um, I'm so proud of the survivors and just their bravery in being able to confront something that happened to them in some cases over 50 years ago. It's just, um, yeah, I just I can't fathom how strong they are to have fought this fight. Mm. And Karen's brother, can you tell us a little bit about him because um... – she was um, her brother's, her deceased brother's voice, wasn't she? Exactly right. And um, as you know and as has been canvassed on this podcast many times, people who experience child sexual abuse um, or any trauma can often go down a path of illicit substance abuse and um, mental health issues. And um, it was 
incredibly sad through the investigations of what we were doing in our office with Bo Morris and other school, uh, government schools where um, there were these allegations and um, convictions that there were so many voices that weren't there anymore. Um, there was also a gentleman by the name of Trevor Foster who um, passed away in pretty awful circumstances and he was from Beaumaris and had suffered child sexual abuse and like Ian's voice, they're not heard anymore. Um, and so Karen is an incredible advocate for her brother. He um, suffered some extremely tough mental health challenges and, um, yeah, passed away quite young. Um, and as I said, it's yeah not dissimilar to a lot of stories that we hear about kids that have gone through things like this but yeah nonetheless it's still incredibly sad but I think that's why it's also really important and Glenn and a number of the Beaumaris survivors have talked about what motivates them to actually keep going with the advocacy even when doors would get shut even when you know there was no movement and this became a bit of a political issue their motivation has always been we don't want this to happen to any more children and we need to be the voice for those who are no longer here. And I just think that, like, it gives me goosebumps right now. But, mm. yeah, it's just quite incredible. And and Karen's brother, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Ian, um, Ian, we, we know, do we, that Ian was a, a victim of uh, sexual abuse and his... His issues were pretty much, I think we could all uh, agree that it's probably where all his issues started from, from the abuse, and he ended his life because of because of this harrowing uh, or harrowing voices in his head. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, I'd hate to speak on behalf of um, Karen or her family, but um, to my understanding that's correct, and I think... Karen's passion around this no wrong door um, reform was because Ian had disclosed um, to certain services about his abuse and it wasn't um, either taken seriously or acted upon. And I think it is so important that, um, you know, parents and healthcare workers and um, anyone working in community service organisations knows how to deal with handling complaints like that. Um, obviously now we have, you know, mandatory reporting guidelines and things, but, um, just the first time someone discloses that to you, understanding that they feel safe enough to do that and being able to respond in the most compassionate and, um, you know, just the most caring way possible, because to just tell someone about that is a feat in itself. Mm. Uh, Liv, has anybody ever been held accountable for the um, sexual abuse at Bo Morris? Because you just said then um, you're pretty sure that there's hundreds of mm. victims. Has anybody ever been charged or interviewed? Or yeah, yep. So a few of them have. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's quite interesting that people don't believe in pedophile rings and yet there was literally a cluster of pedophiles in Beaumaris. Two of them were brothers-in-law um, and they infiltrated 
St Kilda Little League um, and systemically Mm -hmm. subjected to um, teams and teams and classes and classes of young boys to this abuse. Um, And a number of them have been held accountable, but as you know, viewers, uh, listeners might know, they get sentenced according to the sentencing at the time. So mm-hmm. for some of them, it was like, you know, $10,000 or $16,000 fine for abusing multiple young boys and changing their life forever. Um, for some, um, you know, it might have been a few months suspended jail sentence. So unfortunately, um, you know, in the eyes of today, they haven't been held accountable. But for some victim survivors, just being able to get a guilty conviction is enough to recognise that I'm being believed and um, this did happen to me. Um, And most of the survivors that I um, know have also gone down the civil litigation route. So they've been able to sue the Department of Education and... um, for pain and suffering and loss of income and things like that because um, that obviously recognises that the abuse has had an immeasurable toll on their life. Um, And, yeah, so I I guess some of them have been held to account. A few, I don't know if it's by Morris, but a few of the pedophiles committed suicide in the 90s and um, early 2000s from other government schools. So, it's a real shame that those survivors of those perpetrators haven't been able to take them to court, but they, they can still um, sue, which I guess is, you know, some sort of sense of justice. Oh, gee. You know, you said then, and it's a, a great expression, it, it is a measurable uh, damage mm. that, sex abuse causes and uh, like here's as you say Glenn who what would Glenn be um, mid 60s or early 60s and and he is still fighting you know for yeah. for others who don't have a voice or or can't speak up for whatever reason yeah. uh, like that's that's uh that's lifelong stuff isn't it oh he's one of the strongest people that I know and um you know, as you said, there's a bit of an age difference between us, but I, I'm yeah. really lucky that we, I call him a friend. Um, yeah. And despite, you know, not being an advisor now, we still stay in touch and um, he's just such a great person. And I think that's what I really miss the most about the job is the incredible people that I met along the way. Um, yes. Yeah. And not having you know, I'm obviously still assisting um, them in any way I can, but, yeah, I'm just so lucky that I've been able to meet them. Mm. I know what you mean. It, it's something I miss as well is just meeting people like Glenn that really uh, make everything you do worthwhile. Yeah. And there's a lot of and there's a lot of those sort of people. You know, I know we could speak a lot um, <laughs> about our passion for victims of crime because it's mm. obviously something we both feel yeah, very passionate about. But your role, uh, one of your <laughs> many roles, uh, uh, as a volunteer with the Power and You Project in Geelong, that's exposed you, it's really interesting, I think, this, that it's exposed you to 
the other side of crime, the perpetrators, which you did say, which you, you found quite intriguing and fascinating. Like it's almost like a switch has been flicked within you. Would mm. that be a fair description? Don't you think Liv is just an amazing young woman? As I said in my intro, she's done a lot in her 25 years, hasn't she? Doesn't she speak so well? And you can just hear the passion in her voice for her determination to help not only victims but um, perpetrators as well. So next week, Liv talks about the incredible work an organisation called The Power In You Project does. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, They will accept you and welcome you with open arms, as long as obviously you're not overly affected or behaving uh, badly or irrationally. Liv is a statistics woman and the stats she shares about the success of this project is just amazing. Uh, Liv's a fierce advocate for helping children who've witnessed or been exposed to family violence. And again, some of her stats will frighten you. Uh, She's also passionate about foster carers and how advantageous it is to vulnerable and damaged children being a foster carer. Uh, She really is an incredibly engaging woman, isn't she, and easy to listen to. So have a good week and we'll chat next week with part two. Thanks. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.